podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to the 1871 podcast and our special guest, our very special guest for this episode is Royals legend Marcus Hanneman. So Marcus, it's great to have you with us. Thanks for joining us and welcome to the show. Oh, thanks for having me. And uh, an absolute uh, absolute pleasure to speak to you. Obviously, we're going to ask you about the 106 season, your time at Reading and a few other things as well. But before we speak to you, Marcus, um, just uh, um, we've been talking about a couple of quizzes that we've been having, a couple of Reading FC quizzes. The winner of our first quiz was Chris Bennett, who just pipped 1871 podcast co-host Johnny Hunt to uh to win that one there were no actual prizes for winning just the glory um <laughs> but as the winner of our first quiz we we thought we'd ask chris if he wanted to ask a question to marcus and he said yes he'd like to so marcus if that if that's okay for you here's um chris's question for you he says that the reading fans memorably used to chant usa to you in your honor usa usa all that sort of stuff uh, and that was a regular thing, and it kind of also became your nickname at Reading. Um, so, Chris's question: What I'd like to know is, um, what other nicknames have you had in your career, and which one of those nicknames did you like the best? Hmm. Um, I think my uh, the oldest nickname I really remember is Chewy. Um, so, when I was in college, I had a uh, I grew a mustache and then um, obviously like a Star Wars reference, um, you know, Chewbacca. And, and that's, and that one has stuck with me probably the most. Um, and I still have, you know, old friends that, you know, from high school or whatever and, uh, um, and college that still call me Chewy. Um, you know, the Sounders goalie coach, you know, he would still, you know, when I came back and played here, he would always call me Chewy and, you know, and half the team. Um, so probably that one. Um, the other one at Fulham, when we moved, we had our uh, firstborn Hunter um, was a baby. And then Amanda got pregnant. And then uh, Paul Pesciolito goes, oh, you have to name him like a, a good American name. You know, we we're thinking of names. And he goes, you got to call him Boomer. Um, and... Uh, so Austin, who uh, we ended up calling him um, Austin, obviously, Austin was supposed to be Boomer. And uh, um, and so that was one of my nicknames for a while, especially at Fulham. Um, and then uh, the uh, and now our uh, our dog, um, our fearless hunting dog who's scared of guns um, <laughs> is Boomer. So, um Yeah. Probably those ones. I think maybe in high school I had a nickname Bam Bam from Flintstones. Um, but I think that's about it. Yeah. And, and what was that like when, when you were at Reading and you could hear that USA chant? You know, how did that make you feel? Did it kind of affect you in any way? Did it make you feel better than you already did? Or, or how how did that have an impact on you? Um, there wasn't, sorry, before I go there, I think Buddy was another one. So okay. then the guys, because I used to call everyone buddy, so everybody used to call me buddy as well. That was the other one. Um, I'd always be like, hey, buddy. And so that was one of my nicknames. Um, the USA chant was uh, was pretty awesome. I mean, I was pretty patriotic. You know, me. the whole reason me going to England was to get back into the national team. 
Um, I played a couple of games and in 1995 after the World Cup in 94. Um, and then um, we had uh, – couldn't get in the team. And, you know, Casey Keller, Brad Friedel were over in England. So I did everything in my power to try to figure out how I could get there. And, you know, the MLS was just starting and it was it was really good. It was a, um, a giant leap for me to go and leave that. You know, my wife had a great job in Colorado. You know, we had a great um, – lifestyle there you know kind of outdoor I was fly fishing you know my wife was skiing I couldn't ski at that time um but I've made up for that since I moved back since I'm getting 100 days a year in and uh we actually uh, sold our house in the city and we have a, a place in the mountains so we can walk you know straight from our um um our garage put our skins on our ski and and go tour up with the dog in the morning that's our norming our normal morning lap for us and then go hit Alpentar, one of the ski areas. So um, making up for lost time, that's for sure. 25 years without skiing. Is, um, so I'm trying to make up for that. Um, yeah. Uh, so there's a, you know, I don't know. It's, it's kind of crazy when you think back of the whole story and um, but me trying to get to England, it was, it was all about really getting back to the national team. And, you know, when I got to Fulham, there was no interest in me because I had not been able to um, uh, get into the team regularly. And Mike Taylor had something to do with that Um, and the team doing really well. Right. And the life of a goalie. Right. You play or you don't play a lot of times and getting your chance. And, um, you know, it's, it's really frustrating. And we almost ended up going home and, you know, you guys, you guys know the story really well, but that loan spell, um, which a lot of people don't know about, I ended up going to Rochdale in November, I want to say, um, and then couldn't go back there. Um, they, you know, they couldn't afford to, to pay me and Tiana goes, no, if they want you back, they got to pay your full wages, you know? Um, so went back to, um, to Fulham and I was be supposed to be playing in a reserve team game, um, you know, like on a Monday night that nobody really wants to play in, right? It's, you know, it's, but you're like, okay, I get a chance to play. And um, Gary Payton calls me, uh, Jerry Payton calls me up and uh, um, he goes, hey, Mike Taylor wants to play in the game tonight. And I'm like, oh, and I knew Gary couldn't make it. Uh, Jerry, geez, uh, Gary Payton's a basketball player in Seattle. Um Jerry couldn't make it to the game. So I told him I would go and warm Mike up. You know, I was already set to go. Amanda didn't want me home. And, I'm, and you know, Mike had a Northern Ireland game. And so I was, you know, trying to figure out, you know, okay, well, I'll just go warm him up and whatever. Um, well, Reading staff came to watch me play. Alan Pardue um, and, and, the, and the rest of the crew, Nikki Hammond, Wally Downs, uh, and Kevin Dillon. I think the whole, everybody came and this is all, I didn't know anything about it. Well, they turn up, there is uh, and they see Mike Taylor on the team sheet and they're like, what? what? You know, they're all disappointed. They're like, wait, Marcus is still here. Why is he here? And then they saw me warming up Mike Taylor, you know, and they're like, huh? So they're watching, you know, my warm up of Mike Taylor. And then we do some shooting and I hop in the goal 
and um, you know, Mike goes in and I take all the balls and one of the kids wanted to grab all the balls and put them in the bag. And I go, no, no, just take, <clears throat> just take the bag and run up to the halfway line and I'll, uh, I'll hit you the balls. So I hit, you know, all 10 balls side volley, perfect right to this kid. He puts them in the bag. And as Kevin tells me the story, uh, Dylan, he goes, yeah, he goes, that'll work. Let's go. And so, <laughs> so they signed me on the warm up for Mike Taylor, um, you know, which is kind of interesting when you think of, um, you know, all these different things that fall into place. And, um, you know, you think of the, the team player that, that I think is really important. And then, you know, the goalkeeper union and, and backing up our buddies and all those different things, you know, it was, um, you know, one of the reasons why they signed me and that was, and that was it. Yeah. Uh, uh, Johnny, I've got one more question. Yeah. Then I'll hand over to you. So um, you, you came to Reading on loan and you played in the 2001, 2002 promotion season. I think it was a handful of games. Um, and then you joined Reading on a, on a free transfer Imagine that. I mean, one of the best free transfers Reading have ever made in 2002. But I just wonder, when you when you came to Reading, Marcus, did you kind of get a sense that something special could happen at Reading when when you joined? Yeah, there was a Costco there. It was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> it was like meant to be. Costco's <laughs> from Seattle. You could get, you know... American peanut butter. It was, I'm like, okay, this is home. And, uh, uh, and you know, kind of all joking aside when I was on loan, you know, it was all great. I was driving back to Fulham and most of the time. And, you know, we had a great month. It was like, I think it was eight games in a month. You know, it was that Christmas period. It was a lot of games. It felt like, um, which was awesome because we were just playing games, which is what it's about. It was, it was amazing. The great team. And then ITV digital collapsed. Um, and so you don't really know how close we were to coming back to the States with, you know, with our, with my tail tucked in and, you know, going home and, you know, not that whole dream not being possible. And, um, because now all of a sudden all the championship teams and lower league teams didn't, weren't getting that little pot of money. So I think it was a, you know, a million bucks that wasn't there. So. Reading wanted me that season, but Fulham wouldn't let me go because I needed three keepers. And Tigana told me, he goes, look, he goes, no, we need you. And, you know, they either have to buy you or, you know, you can go in the summer. And I'm like this. And I told him this could be my chance. And he goes, oh, you'll find something. So then all of a sudden you get to the summer. We're home back in the States for a little bit. I turn on Sky News and I see Fulham sign Edwin Vandesar. And I'm like, Oh, great. Um, or no, um, they, no. So Edwin was already there. Sorry. Uh, they signed some other keeper and I'm like, who I've never heard of, you know, somebody from Spain. And I'm like, Oh, great. I thought he said I had a job. Now I don't have a job. I'm like, Oh God, what's going on? We got to get over there. Tegan had told me that he didn't sign him. It was, uh, you know, someone else at the club signed him. And you're, you're like, oh my gosh, like trying to figure out this whole thing. And, you know, I've got two little kids. Are we staying? Are we going? You know, um, we're, and we're, we're going to run out of money pretty quick here. So we got to figure this thing out. And then they, Fulham were in an inner Toto cup. And so Edwin's clearance wasn't through. Um, I can't remember the other guy's name. 
wasn't through. Mike Taylor was going to play. So he goes, we need you for the bench. So uh, Tegan told me he'll put me on a month to month till I find something. Um, and he goes, you can go train with other clubs. Just let uh, uh, the goalkeeper coach know and we'll go from there. And I'm just like, okay, maybe this will work. And I went and trained with a couple different teams. Um, went up to Middlesbrough because I knew Paul Barron really well. Um, he was my in to, to England in the first place. I, he was at Villa when I would come over and train every winter during our off season. Um, and so I would sleep on Paul's couch, eat all his food, um, <laughs> and go train with those guys. And that was, uh, you know, you know, you just got a little taste of it. You know, like, okay, I can see where I need to go, how much I need to work and, and, you know, kind of put those goals like, you know, you could set those goals every week. It was, it was just awesome. Right. And, you know, even when I was gone, I still go, okay, I got to train with David James, um, Mark Bosnich and, um, and seeing those guys, what they did and, and how different they were, you know, there's a lot of different ways to do this goalkeeper thing. Right. And, you know, the different personalities and, um, you know, different warmups, but, um, you know, just great guys. And, you know, I mean, I still had a really good friendship with, with David James. He was super kind to me when I would come train with those guys and um, just had an awesome time. And I'm like, this is, you know, if I could get back here, this would be absolutely incredible. Um, and so just that little taste and, um, you know, it took Reading a little bit to come, come through and um, with the money and, um, and it wasn't very much money. I can tell you that. And you took it, a massive pay cut to come, but um, I think Kevin Dillon goes, he goes, you need to, you know, I, I go, should we come here? Should I buy a house? You know, what do you think, you know, how long, you know, is this going to be? And um, Kevin goes, you need to buy a house. You're going to be mayor of Reading. That's what uh, Kevin Dillon told me. Um, you know, that was, um, you know, the staff and everything. It was just, it was just awesome. I still haven't been mayor, but um, still time. We had, <laughs> yeah, it's still time. And then, um, yeah, I started started looking at houses, and you know, after training, I'd meet uh, Amanda and the kids at uh, Costco pretty much every day after practice. We would have lunch down there, and uh, Costco was like our extended family because at the time Costco had just opened up, and uh, so there was no one in there because it's membership based, so it was really quiet. But they still had all the tills open and. Um, the, uh, so everyone knew you by name and stuff like that. We'd go grab some lunch and, uh, and we'd go look at houses and, um, you know, eventually we, uh, we walked into a house in Pangborn and, um, just an awesome little house. And when we went up and looked through the, uh, you know, I drove it a couple of times and then Amanda came out maybe the next day or whatever. And we walked into one of the kids room and they had a Seattle Mariners poster up, you know, from our baseball team. You're like, okay, this is a sign. And then we looked at our phones. We looked at our phones at the exact same time. And you're like, yep, we don't have reception. This is it. Because none of our houses ever had reception. So <laughs> we're like, this is it. And uh, um, and that's how it started. And, um, you know, just an awesome, awesome time in my life. Yeah. Johnny, go on then. Over to you. Yeah, and no, it's lovely to hear you talk, Mark. When you went into Reading, what was it like going into that? change room with the guys who who did you kind of gel with or did, was there kind of strong characters that you were like who's this and how are you kind of accepted um 
Well, we had, uh, um, it was a little bit weird in the beginning, um, because, you know, we had, um, the goalkeeper I was coming in to replace was everyone's best friend. You know, that's always, um, a little bit difficult. Right. And, um, so in the beginning, it was a little bit kind of standoffish and, you know, it's different when you're on loan and then all of a sudden when you come in and sign, then it's like, Oh, I, you could tell that everyone's, you know, a lot of guys are treating you a little bit differently. And then, you know, it was, uh, um, I think it was Butler who came up to me and he actually apologized for Martin Butler. Um, he goes, yeah, sorry for being like a dick basically, but it wasn't <laughs> said it somewhat differently. I'm not, it's not a direct quote, but, um, and you know, and, and you get it right. And you know, my feelings weren't hurt, you know, it, it's a, it's a difficult job. Right. And you know, when you're coming in, you, you're basically taking someone's position, right. And their friend away. Right. Which is a, a little bit of a, a bummer, but, um, you know, they're like, yeah, you know, it was real, you know, and, you know, when I can come catch a cross and, and pump a ball to Martin Butler on my side volley, he was, he was happy. So, uh, <laughs> but it did take him a little bit of while to, uh, to, uh, to warm up to me, but, um, Graham Murdy, I was probably closest with and, um, you know, still to this day. Um, but it's, you know, you think of the, the back four, right. Ivar, um, Nikki Shorey and, um, and Sanko, right. Those guys were, um, they were always, you know, probably the, the tightest, right. Because we're, you spend more time together, yeah. you know, we started doing film, just the back four and the goalkeepers. And then, you know, and then we started to let, uh, Harper in because he was sort of defensively minded. Right. And so we were doing extra film sessions that were voluntary just for the defense. And then, you know, you had, you know, Brignar would come as well and, um, and Sidwell and, you know, that was, you know, and you could tell that there was something special happening with our, with our club. Right. And, um, you know, it, you know, definitely had a, a, a big impact that we had, um, what was their name? Uh, the sports psychologist guys, it was a catalyst who came in, um, those guys. And, you know, they're able to, to really help out with the, um, you know, part of the game that, I don't know when we looked at the goal setting and looking at each month and different things like that. And, you know, it really took us to the next level, I think, um, you know, eventually when Koppel came in and, and all those different things, but, you know, we were there or thereabouts with, with Pardue and it was, it was great. And, you know, it, it took us a little bit. It just, you know, that championship is so difficult. Right. And, you know, it, it was, uh, it was pretty incredible. And even to think back at that, at those times, it's, uh, um, you know, there was a, a lot going on, but how close and tight our team was, um, was, was pretty awesome. Was there much difference the way Alan and Steve did things? Was it kind of just a, a little bit of a transition from when Alan left and Steve came in or was it a whole new approach? Yeah. I mean, they're totally different managers, right? And you know, that's the thing when, when things aren't going well, right. I mean, the easiest thing to change is the manager because you get a, a completely, you know, you change one person or, you know, usually the staff goes as well, but, um, 
you get a whole different persona as well, right? Pardue was always in your face and you know, it was, you know, he was pretty emotional and, yeah. uh, and cop and Koppel was exactly the opposite, you know, uh, Koppel was a little bit more like, uh, Tigana who was, you know, really quiet in the changing room and, um, you know, and different things like that. And, um, remember, uh, one time, uh, my, one of my favorite Tigana stories from Fulham, um, was we, we were getting our asses kicked at Craven Cottage and we all came in the uh, into the locker room and the changing room is super small at Craven Cottage. And Tegan is just sitting there reading a book. <laughs> He's just reading a book and everyone's yelling at everybody. Everyone's like, you know, the defenders are yelling at everybody. Chris Coleman, um, he's hammering everybody. And then, you know, everyone sits down and Tegan is still reading a book and everyone's like, <laughs> the fuck is he doing right like <laughs> this is just re- just reading a book while this is going on and he goes what's the problem he goes and everyone's like hey it's the, like the forwards aren't doing this the defenders like we don't have it he goes what's the problem he goes just play and he starts reading his book again right you know <laughs> um and uh pards absolutely loved me right he was um you know, he was always, he would tell me I was the greatest goalie ever all the time, you know? (laughs) And, um, but he was, um, not really in your face all the time. And that's maybe the, the, maybe not the right thing, but he was, you know, just different than copper. Right. Um, but so we came in the changing room and, you know, I have my, I got my red bowl and my gloves and the goal. And there was like, I don't know if it was a throw in on the halfway line. So I was out about 30 yards, seeing if I was going to get the ball back, maybe, you know, just being an option. The whistle goes. So I just kind of jog back, you know, get my gloves, get my red bowl, you know, probably open my red bowl, start drinking it, running back, you know, and I go in and pards is fuming. Right. He is absolutely fuming. And I walk in and I'm like, oh, shit. He goes, (laughs) he's like, uh, how did he start? He just goes, buddy, what the fuck are you doing? Why are you? You're killing us with your stupid side volley. And I was like, oh, shit. So I just kind of sneak in into my corner, sit down. And he goes, you're killing us with your side volley. You got to throw it out more. And I went, okay, I'll throw it out more. It's like, Shit, what happened? You know, it was nil-nil at halftime, I think, or something. And then he goes, and he was ready to come back at me, right? And then he goes, Butler. He goes, when he kicks you the ball, you got to hold it. And I go, I thought I was supposed to to kick it. But he he was just having to yell up, right, to get us going because we weren't playing very well, right? Um, And, you know, Koppel was a lot more measured and, you know, and, you know, which was – you know, it was different, um, but he, he, you know, did a, such a great job of, you know, even, you know, in our 107 point run, um, or was it 120 or 107? I can't remember. Um, yeah. Um, he'd never put any pressure on us. Right. It was always like, Hey, let's like the next game, let's just keep going. Right. And I think we even lost the first game or whatever. Right. Um and you're like, oh, here we go, right? We're losing at home, and this is how it's going to start. And just like, yeah, we're just going to keep going, and never put any extra pressure on us. And it was, uh, um, it was, it was awesome. 
Yeah, Mark, Marcus, I just want to ask you, because we've had Steve Coppola on recently as a guest and, and he spoke about you and he said the thing about you was like you hardly ever made a mistake. And I, and I just wondered what it was like for you being part of that team. You know, how did it feel going into every game? Because it, 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 it was like you expected to win every game. Um, was that was that a key part of the success? That sort of mentality that season, the one hundred and six season. Yeah, well, I'm glad uh, Steve Koppel doesn't have the greatest memory because either do I. I'd never made any mistakes that I can remember, <laughs> um, except for the first Prem game when someone hit a shot through the wall and it bounced up off my chest and they smashed it in after like two minutes, and that was our Premier League debut. That was that one still haunts me. And um, we came back and got a draw out of that. Um, if, if my memory it's a win, wasn't it? serves me. 3-2, three, three wasn't it? Yeah. Was it 3-2? Oh. Yeah, yeah. oh, it's even better. Okay. I feel much better now. <laughs> yeah. uh, but that's how our team was, right? Uh, it was – and you know, I worked my butt off every day, and I was, I was wired so tight. Um, my kids are still um, probably a disaster because of how tightly I was wound all the time. Um, and I'm still trying to figure out how to be a little bit more calm. Um, but um, what did Scott, Scotty Goldberg, um, we saw him at the uh, uh, charity match and he goes, he goes, buddy, he goes, no red mist today, please. He goes, don't kill anybody. Um, Cause I was, I was wound so tight and, but every game mattered. Right. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's crazy. And, you know, we went through and, you know, every game, no matter what I, we were, we, we thought we were going to win and, you know, we won some games um, three or four nil at home even. And I got man of the match and in one of the games and my phone was blowing up and they're like, yeah, you guys win three zero. They're like, how are you man of the match? That doesn't even make sense. And, and, you know, like I go, well, I made a couple of one-on-one saves, one off my face. It goes to Nicky Shorey. He plays it to Bobby Convy. They do their normal overlap. And then, you know, Kevin Doyle scores. And and then we just go on to, to cruise the game. And and it, it wasn't, um, you know, it was kind of funny. But, you know, everyone's like trying to figure out how, how that was even possible. But, um you know, my training every day, it was, you know, had great coaches and, you know, Nikki Hammond was the goalkeeper coach initially. And then Sal Bippo came in and, um, you know, obviously it was, um, I had a whole bunch of ideas of how things should be. And, um, and so did Sal. And, um, but, you know, we, we had a great goalkeepers union there. It was, it was awesome. And, you know, guys even like, you know, you know, what Graham Stack, but even Jamie Young, Jamie Ashdown, you know, all those guys, you know, we had some really good goalkeepers and, and Jamie Young still playing. He was still playing in Australia and you're like, you know, still killing it down there. And, you know, he was at one stage, he was going to get, he was, you know, I think he came in as a, like a 16 year old, you know, five foot 11 and never grew again. And, you know, everybody was like, Hey, you're too small to be a goalie. And, um, and I go, well, Jamie, you can kick the ball better than me. Your side volley is better than me. So when you come catch a cross, 
You just need to make sure you put your team on a counterattack and they will never hit crosses on you again, but you got to make that your strength. And sure enough, man, he, uh, he played a long time. Yeah. Johnny, do you want to come in again? Johnny, you there? Oh, I think Johnny might have frozen. So that you mentioned Marcus, that first season in the premier league, um, and that amazing first game, Gareth Southgate was the Middlesbrough manager that day. Um, two nil down, you came back to win three two, and and that, you know, in some ways that season was was as good as the previous season. Even though obviously you won the title, and um, you know they've got the record, the one hundred and six. But that following season as well, you just had that momentum, didn't you? And and it it just felt like the same mentality, and you know some some great games. What what was that like to you know finally make that progression and and um, take Reading into the Premier League and then, you know, have such a great first season. What what was that first season in the Premier League like? Um, the whole the whole year was surreal, right? I mean, it just... And, you know, we played against Premier League teams, right, in the cup games and different things like that. But to go there every week, you know, is a, is a whole new thing. And I remember, you know, we had Middlesbrough with, you know, Gary Southgate was there. Paul Barron was the goalkeeper coach for that team. And those, and Southgate was at um, Villa when I got to train with them. Right. And all of a sudden, you know, you're playing against in the premier league against these guys who you look up to and, and all these different things. It was, it was crazy. And um, I remember I was like, I'm not trading shirts with anybody. Like, I don't want to seem like we're just happy to be there. And because it was so overwhelming and, and you, you know, there's a couple different ways to deal with stress is um, one is you just have to downplay it and just like, okay. Cause it is such a, a huge leap, but you're like, okay, this is just nothing you know special. And so I'm like, I'm not trading shirts because this is where I, I've always wanted to be. And, but you know, an absolute um, dream. And to think that, you know, a kid from Seattle, Washington, who, you know, to make it into the Premier League and to be starting every game and with the team that, you know, we brought up uh, from the championship and, you know, the history of Reading. And it was slightly overwhelming sometimes. So you have to, you know, like when you think of just those pressures and then you have the pressures of the fans and um, it was it's pretty daunting. And um, so the first time, I really, we had a couple, a couple, couple stories, but um, I remember we were away at the Emirates um, and my dad was over Amanda and the kids. And so they went to the game and um, you know, you're, you're trying to downplay this whole thing, right. Of we're playing in the premier league and there's an injury on the far end of the field. And uh, so I run back Um so now all of a sudden you're like, okay, I can just relax for a second, right? I don't have to yell at anybody or do anything. And um, I look up on the far side, they have the team, you know, you got Reading's team and Arsenal's team. You know, I'm at the top, right? Almunia, I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> and like, it's just like, you're like, oh, fuck. And you're like, I'm going to go get some water. And then I run, up, run back to my goal 
grab some water. I don't need any Red Bull now because I'm already amped up over the top now. And and then I look up into the Reading section, and there's a there's like two rows in front of my family, no one sitting for some reason. And and then I see like my kids, they're waving, you know, I see them instantly. And my dad, and you're like, and I always used to give a little thing when we were on camera or something like this to my kids. That was like how I was saying hi to them when I was on TV or in the game or whatever. So they knew I saw them and was, and was saying hi to them. And, uh, but to just be able to like pick out your family in the crowd, you know, and I was like, oh my gosh, like you're playing for even, you know, for, for everybody. And then to see your family, you're like, oh my gosh, this is incredible. And I'm like, okay, where's, what are we doing? And I'm like, Sanko, get back here. Sanko's going, why are you yelling at me? You know, like nothing's happening, you know, but I had to get myself back into the game as well. Right. And, you know, yelling and, um, and organizing your defense, right, was the one way for for myself and how goalkeepers keep themselves involved in the game, right, and keep yourself tuned in. Yeah, Johnny, do you, uh, we we lost you temporarily, but you're back now. Do you want to come back in, Johnny? Yeah, I think you're on mute. When you're playing at that level, Marcus, when did you guys believe like we belong? You know, and you've got. I can't, the guys in Shearer and, and all those. And you're like, we're playing these guys every week. We're not just, you know, and you're competing with them and you're beating some of them. When did that kind of feel we are a premier team? Well, I don't know how long into the season that Arsenal game was, um, but that was the first time I asked for someone's shirt. Okay. Um, because that was one of the things that was like, I don't want to, I don't want to be that fanboy, and, you know, running up to Rooney and going, give me your shirt, you know, I'm going to trade your shirt, you know, like before the game's over, you know, be thinking about all this stuff. And, um, but she's, I mean, I don't even know. I mean, it, it seems even weird, you know, talking even about it now that, you know, I was playing in the Premier League. Um, it's, it's pretty crazy. What was the, like, Teams, you know, the, the team spirit on the pitch was amazing. Like, you know, to watch you guys play. What about some of this off the pitch stuff? <laughs> if you can say anything that, you know, the, the how you kind of bonded as a as a group. And we definitely had different groups. Okay. Right. Within our team, right. And, um, you know, me and Convy hung out a lot, right, because Bobby was here by himself, and so Bobby would come over for dinner and stuff like that. You know, Bobby's a young single kid who, you know, he would come home, he'd walk into the mall, then he would come take a nap. And I'm like, Bobby, we're eating at seven, right? And Bobby would always turn up like an hour later. And you're like, we got kids and all this stuff. So he was a complete disaster, right? Didn't quite get it. Um, and then, you know, when you think of the the younger the younger group, like Lita, Sanka, Sanko, those guys were going out, you know, all the time partying, right? And then you had the kids with families, right? Um, and then, uh, you know, Murdy, Brynjar, Ivar, and all the wives. And then, you know, the wives started to do the, uh, um, oh, my gosh, what was it called? The foundation, wasn't it? They did. Yeah. Uh, what did they call themselves again? I don't remember. That's embarrassing. Um, 
my memory is not that great. Uh, yeah, but they ended up, so a lot of the different things, because the wives were so involved with that, yeah. um, you end up, you know, we, we ended up pretty close with, with the main wives from that and, you know, doing things, you know, more along those lines, right. Where the married guys would always hang out and, uh, and you know, the, the younger guys, when they were going out clubbing, you're like, okay, see you later. Um, I don't really need to go do that. They weren't playing any, uh, any tool, Slipknot or Machine Head at any of those places. And, um, I didn't really need to go there. Um, but we would go out occasionally, you know, obviously as a team and do stuff. But, um, you know, mainly you become friends with who have the same interest as you. So we'd play lots of golf together. And, um, you know, me and Mertz would play tons of golf. Yeah. And Steve, just let you be, you, 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 I imagine he just treats you as, as that he lets you get on with it and respects what you do is that him as a manager yeah i mean like like everything there's there's never an issue right with with anything until there's an issue right and um you know guys were smart you know they were you know we'd go get buggies when we go play golf or whatever you know and you know i we would go to the pub on a thursday or friday night some not on, usually on a friday night but on a thursday night and people are like, aren't you worried you're going to the pub? I go, look, we're going to the pub. Like I'm, I'm having a beer, you know, with my family. It's not, it's not like I'm going out to the club and, you know, till three in the morning. Right. And, but it just leaves yourself open for, you know, for obviously if things don't go well on a Saturday, they're like, well, I saw him at the pub. Right. And you're like, well, you know, that's how it all starts. Yeah. But if you play well, right. No one cares. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I was partying with them the night before too. And we still won. Right. I mean, <laughs> that's how it is, but, um, which, uh, which was really awesome when we went back to the, uh, to the charity match last year to see Leroy Lita, um, walking around and he had his little cute little daughter in her, in his little baby <laughs> Bjorn on his chest, walking around after the game. And you're like, you know, and all these kids, these the young kids who we had on the team, who are now having kids, yeah. it was it was pretty incredible. You know, to see everybody running around with with kids now, and you know that was us, and you know Glenn Little and and the Murdies at the time, right? Yeah. Um, who had, I think they ended up, yeah, they had Freya. Um, you know, that's how that all started, right? Um, but not we didn't have a lot of kids at the time, right, on the team. Um so it was uh just just a little bit different. Yeah, especially, especially being back. Oh John, oh, sorry Mark. Jump jump in, in a sec, but I just want to ask yeah. um ask this to Marcus. So you mentioned the the Legends game that, that you came back for last year. And obviously you fall within that category for Reading fans, a, a legend, that that whole team. So I don't know. My question really isn't, do you feel like a Redding legend? But what do you feel like you contributed? Because you're, you know, you talked about that game at Arsenal and it was a little bit overwhelming. And then you thought, let's get my head back in the game. But um, when you look back at your time at Reading, how do you feel about what you contributed towards that success? Um, Well... 
how do I feel? Uh, well, I mean, I'm proud of what we accomplished, right? At the same time, disappointed with not being able to stay in the league, not be able to, you know, and then, you know, when we got relegated, um, I had no desire to go anywhere else, right? I didn't look to, to leave. Um, and, you know, the, the team stepped up and they're like, look, we want to give you guys, you know, um, all our contracts were set to reduce back to championship wages. Um, but they kept us on, you know, better money because they really wanted to, you know, make a push. And, you know, they knew they knew us and, you know, keeping us keeping that that squad intact um, was the main thing. And right. You know, losing Sidwell was the the one of our the worst thing that that happened to our team. Um the year before, right. You know, Chelsea coming in for him and, you know, and that was uh, a massive setback and, you know, one, you lose a, a good player, but all of a sudden everything was changing. Right. You know, Sidwell ended up, you know, I think it was like 45 grand a week, right. Which just blew our wages out of the water. And, and it, then that created that conflict in our team, right. Where everybody was like, this is bullshit. You know, I should be on more money you know, as well. And, um, and that was the downfall probably of, of our team. Cause you lose that, that player, but also, you know, everybody was like, Oh, I got it. You know, maybe this isn't the spot for me. Right. Which, um, you know, where money ruins everything. Mm. And, you know, that was, that was probably the downfall. Um, maybe not the downfall is the wrong word, but, um, the one thing that I was really disappointed about that, um, you know, we w- weren't able to keep that team together. Yeah. Johnny, I've got one more question. And then coming after that, um, Marcus, you talked about your ambition to play for the USA and, and, and you did. So you won the, I think you won the CONCACAF Gold Cup, was it in 2005? You selected for the, the World Cup squads in 2006, 2010. Um, so that was kind of mission accomplished, but obviously you were on the bench. You know, how did you how did you feel that you'd kind of done well enough to get to a point where you got selected to represent your country at a World Cup, but then you don't get to play? Well, not playing, right? That's the that's what it's about, right? Is you want to play and you know, being able to go and, and do all that stuff. And, you know, back at Casey Keller, me and Casey are still tight to this day. I see him, you know, we live in the same area, you know, snowboarding with him yesterday, or I was skiing, he was snowboarding. Um, but, uh, you know, not being able to play as much as I, as I hope for, you know, that's always a disappointment. You know, and I, I, you know, I only had nine caps for the national team. Um, you know, that was, that's kind of a disappointment, right? When I see some of these jokers, who have got 50 and you're like, that guy's terrible. How does he have 50 calves? <laughs> um, you know, it, it's kind of frustrating a little bit, but, um, you know, that just is what it is. Right. And, you know, as a goalkeeper, you're like, um, it, it just kind of happens. Right. Um, but um, more importantly, I did beat um, Casey in a 
snowboarding race uh, two weekends <laughs> ago. So that is, uh, and Casey's like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm not very competitive. And he goes, we already had our competition. And I'm like, no, it's still going. It's still going. Um, right. And I'm a skier. And yeah. I'm a skier too. So I still, I beat him snowboarding. So that was that great game. But I've been practicing sneakily yeah. on the uh this year because i knew we were being going to go into this one of the local races here and um our buddy who runs it says you guys got to come do it and so i've been practicing a lot this year on on my snowboarding skills so that paid off so yeah yeah Johnny, you, haven't lost, okay. you haven't lost your competitive edge then marcus everything you do it's challenge well well you, you, um i try not to because um that got me in trouble when they wanted me to play over forties when I retired and, and play for the, and you're like, man, I'm not training. And then, but I was, I was playing on the field. Right. So it doesn't matter. Right. You're like, okay, it's all different. And, um, but then all of a sudden you're like, you get really competitive and you're like, what am I doing? I'm not training. I'm not doing this stuff. So it's like, you got to pick and choose, you know, what you're doing now. And, you know, I started, um, you know, flying when I was at Wolves and I got a commercial flying job. Uh, this is my, this will be my third season flying beaver float planes in the Seattle area. And, you know, just absolutely love it. You got to figure out what you're, what you want to do. And, you know, I mean, I love skiing and I get probably, you know, hundred days a year. And, you know, we live really at, at the mountain where, you know, at our back door, there's a little resort and then the, you know, three minute drive you're at one of the greatest places, you know, a lot of backcountry stuff and, you know, it's, it's pretty incredible. And, um, but yes, um, competitiveness is, uh, um, I'm trying to, we, we, uh, get that out of my system because I, I, I'm re- I was really wound, um, overly tight, I'll say, um, on a lot of things. And, you know, some things are, you know, are just fun and just a hobby and you try to go out and, and have as much fun as possible. That When you went over for the Legends game, how how was that for you? To, like probably some of the guys you hadn't seen for, for years. And did that, did that game get competitive? Because you've also got the younger guys a few years after. Yeah. Um, so I hadn't played in goal for, you know, two years and my body hurts when I, I don't want to hit the ground. And um, you know, I still coach, so I'm like somewhat fit, but you know, I, I'm not diving around and, um, uh, and I let in some horrendous goals in that game. And, you know, that part I was, and I knew what was going to happen, right. As you're going over there, you're like, man, I don't know if I want to step in that goal and be really shitty. Um, and because, you know, like, okay, I still catch the ball and all those things. But the reason why I was good is I trained my butt off. Yeah. You know, I did, you know, weights. I was riding my bike three or four times a week just to stay fit. Um, and now all of a sudden, you know, I'm 265 pounds. And now I got to try diving around and moving and, you know, didn't want to get injured. And, you know, you name it, right? You go down the whole list. But um, we almost didn't come. Okay. You know, like, you know, you're like. I don't know if I want to go play in goal, you know, my body hurt. And you're like, you know what? I'm just going to suck it up. Cause it's going to be awesome. I got to go see the guys super busy. Our flying season was starting and, um, 
I go, I don't know if I'm going to go because I don't want to miss out on, you know, once you miss your, like our ground school and um, a lot of things that start the season, right? All of a sudden, you know, and I was kind of one of the newer pilots. It was only really my my second year and I started halfway through that. That I go, look, this has been my dream for forever and I don't want to screw up my current dream for something that I've already had. If that makes sense. Um, But, you know, our kids were like, you guys have to go. And so, you know, we, you know, we did it in like a four day trip. My wife had a whole bunch of stuff going on and she does commercial real estate here in Seattle. And and so, you know, we, we ended up, you know, Thursday through Sunday, you know, I mean, it was, it was way too short. You know, our friends heard that we didn't go up to Wolverhampton to see them and, you know, we didn't see a lot of the people. They were kind of pissed. And, you know, we knew that was going to happen, too. Because um, you really need two weeks, yeah. really. And um, But that was, you know, the time we had. And um, and then going back and seeing the guys. And um, and I, I really underestimated how much uh, the fans appreciated us coming back. I mean, when you know, I figured, okay, there's going to be, you know, a hundred people in the stadium and, you know, are we even doing it in the stadium and, you know, where, you know, I'm figured we're going to be at the, the training ground. Right. And there's going to be three people and their dog. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not really interested in see, you know, the stadium, like it seemed like it was sold out for the game. It was, yeah. I mean, we, my mind was blown. I couldn't believe it. And, you know, our fans are like, this is the best thing we've, you know, we've seen all year, you know, it's been, it, it it's actually been, was <laughs> last season. Yeah. Was so bad. It, <laughs> which is, is, which is pretty incredible, but I had no idea. And you almost don't know like the impact that we had. You could see that that many people came out, you know, and then, and then the group of guys that you um, got to see again, you know, and then seeing, you know, um, you know, Doyle's, the Hunts, Leroy Lita, you know, song with kids, you're like, this is incredible. You know, the whole thing, you know, how the roles kind of reversed a little bit and, um, you know, how disappointed everybody was that we didn't bring our kids. Um, that was also a bummer, right? Um, would have been great for our kids to see, but they were, Hunter was just graduating and um, and all those different things. We just couldn't. And then Austin, my, my youngest, um, you know, they're 24 and 22 now and Austin's in his flight school. So he should be getting his commercial like this month. He should be getting ready for his test. And, um, you know, he just couldn't, they couldn't miss school. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just really, really difficult at that time. So I, I wish, you know, that was probably the one disappointment that the boys couldn't come with us. It was a special time for, you know, for all of us. Wasn't it, Mark? You know, I was there that I actually got to meet you in the pub, in the hotel afterwards. And it was just, like for us, it was such a great time as a Reading fan's life. And I'm sure, you know, for you guys, being part of something so special, you know, and, and yeah. it means the world to us. And I'm sure it does you because it was a bond, wasn't it? We had that bond between, which we yeah. haven't got at the minute. Yeah, it was, I mean, everything, everything worked so yeah. well. And, you know, I mean, you know, when people ask us what home, where home was in England, and we always say Reading, right? Because, you know, they're like, oh, really? Like, well, you played a couple different teams. I go, yeah, but I was at Reading for eight years. 
you know, we had our house there. And when we moved to Wolverhampton, we kept our house because we were like, no, we're going to end up back in Reading. Like that was, that was the plan, you know, and it, and then, you know, our house was empty and the kids are playing sports and then, you know, so you just can't get back. So, you know, after a couple of years, we, you know, or a year, we ended up selling it because we never made it back. And, you know, I'm paying somebody to live in my house, basically, you know, I had a buddy who stayed in there a couple of nights a week because he lived up north, was working at the local bike shop in Pangborn. And, um, you know, we're like, we should just sell this. And we got a, you know, crazy offer. So that's how that worked. Yeah, Marcus, I just want to ask you, you kind of um, touched on it when you talked about the the Legends game and how much it meant to to Reading at, at that time, the Reading fans. Um, what do you what do you think when you sort of see what's what's going on with Reading at the moment, the six point deduction that we've had this week, um, you know, is it, is that sad for you to see that that's happened or how how do you feel about it? Uh, 100%, right. Um, And, you know, it's, when you talk about, there's that little disconnect between the team now and the, and the fans and, and all that stuff. It's really disappointing, you know, um, to see. And, you know, one of the things that I was kind of disappointed with when we went back is like, didn't see really any of the current team or, you know, you know, all that stuff too. Right. That would have been really fun to see and, you know, kind of to connect it all. Right. And, you know, my college team has been going through a, a lot of this, you know, and, you know, here, you know, obviously in the States, the college teams, that's a, that's a big deal. Right. And, um, you know, we had a coach that was kind of a, a, a jerk and um, who came in after my coach for somehow got fired um, from that job um, where, you know, he was the one who brought that program up to nothing. And, and they hire, they fire my old coach. And all of a sudden everyone's like, no, I don't want any involvement. And we're like, you know, we're still giving money to the school and all these different things. And then, you know, my oldest tried to walk onto the team and go there and it's, you know, it's a private school. So it's super expensive and, you know, all these different things. And, you know, he got treated like crap when he went there and you're like, I don't understand, you know, the disconnect, like why everybody, you know, this team should be, you know, like the history should be about, you know, the old players, the, the club's history, the ups and downs, you know, all these different things. And, you know, nobody wants to lose, but everybody should be together. And, um, you know, we had some of this with the Sounders as well. When, when I came back and, um, you know, with the Sounders, there was the old NSL from the seventies and that folded in 83. And then when I came to the Sounders in 94, you know, there was before the MLS and then, then the MLS started and Sounders didn't have a team and they kind of stuck with that. They were playing in the USL then. And, and then the Sounders got an MLS team. And so, and then Casey came back and was going to play. Um, and then I was, my whole, everything after that point was, I was like, Casey, how long are you playing? You know, how do I time this to get back? And so that Everton was a stopgap really for me to come back to Seattle. And, um, you know, I took no money to go to, Everton and I had an option to leave in January and you know talk to David Moyes and Chris Woods there who are amazing people and they're like look what do you what do you want I go I want to be able to go back in January so they're like okay and David Moyes actually said he goes well we're not we're not really paying you anything anyway so let's just do a mutual option and 
um, the Sounders never came in for me. And so it was, that was also really disappointing. And then came back, we, you know, retired and, um, uh, 2012 and moved back to the States and we were trying to figure out where we we're going to live. And, um, do we, are we going to live in our cabin, which is, you know, 85 miles from Seattle, or do we kick our renters out of our rental house and, and Bellevue and the kids really wanted to play sports. And so all the sports are in the city. And, um, so we were like, okay, let's move back into the, to the city. And then, you know, we'll have our cabin as our cabin and, and we'll go from there. And, um, and then it's probably September, right around September. It's right before the, the transfer deadline. And, um, Adrian Hanauer, who owns the Sounders, calls me up and he goes, where are you? I'm like, I'm at a garage sale buying a barbecue. Like, why? And he goes, what? He goes, we probably could have gotten you a deal on a barbecue. And I'm like, uh, okay. But I, he goes, no, like, where are you? Are you on the east side of the mountains or the west side? I go, west side. He goes, great. You still want to play? I'm like, uh, what do you mean? He goes, well, we figured out how we, how we can, you know, get you and it's not going to cost us a ton of money. Um, you still want to play? I'm like, for who? And he goes, for us. And I'm like, oh yeah, of course. So I go, but maybe I should, maybe I should train with Tommy for a day and see where I'm at. Cause I hadn't played all summer. Right. And, um, you know, when we were up at, uh, in Whitchurch near, you know, just North of Wolverhampton, when I was at Everton that year, um, when we, you know, I was training with the kids in the backyard, you know, because there was a couple things like we came back and my agent called me up and he goes, there's a huge team interested. Are you, you want to, and I'm like, uh, yeah, I'm on my way. I'm already driving there. Right. If that happens. Um, and so I, you know, I was training with the kids in the backyard. Um, that was it. And so, you know, went with Tommy and for a day and, and I'm like, okay, I can still do this. And, um, and then ended up playing another four years um, with the Sounders. And that was, you know, it's where my professional career started. It's my hometown, all these different things, um, which was really incredible. Um, albeit, you know, I should have been playing way more because I was way better than the clowns they had. Um, and, uh, but that's, that's life. Right. And, but, you know, I got to play in some of the open cup games and, you know, I had a, had a, you know, a really good experience, but, um, didn't really like the head coach, um, at all. Um, which that was a, that was a problem. Um, and because, you know, it kind of left a really bitter taste in my mouth, um, playing for somebody who was, you know, who didn't like me and, you know, every team I played on up to that point, um, the coaches, no matter how crazy they were, loved me. Right. And, you know, to have something like that. And then you go in the stadium and they had like all the MLS posters up, like from where they won, you know, championships. And, you know, they always put, you know, the years they won the championships. Well, when I was on the old Sounders, none of those posters were up. And, you know, that history um, wasn't wasn't acknowledged, which was you know, I, I felt disrespected, you know, and because all you want is to have some involvement, right? And, you know, so our college teams now trying to get the old players back in and, you know, the team that I had, we won a national championship and they never bought us rings, you know, which is a U.S. tradition, right? And, 
you know, 30 years later, we might get a ring, right? Which is, which is crazy, right? That it's even taken this long, you know, it's, you seem, you know, just disrespected by the whole thing. And, um, and you want to, and you want to feel connection, right? Um, and I remember, uh, um, Alan Hinton was my first pro coach. Um, and when I was up at Wolverhampton, um, he went up there to go visit and, you know, he was like, not sure how he's going to be received when, and, you know, he, he went in there and Alan told me they treated him like royalty coming in there, you know, and, you know, as, as players, you want to be remembered, right. For, for what you did. And, um, because that's, that's our life, right. That was, you know, we spend all, and, you know, I mean, granted, you know, we're, you're not sacrificing that much when you're making tons of money. Right. I mean, that's, but that's not what it's about. That's not what people remember. Right. You remember your team, right. That's it. Um, and, and you want to have those memories. Right. And there shouldn't be a disconnect. Right. Should, it should be how you get all the players in and, and all those different things. And, and I know this is a long way to, uh, cause I'm really good at making a short story really long cause I ramble. Um, you mentioned the six point deduction and it's, you know, it really sucks, right. For, because the players are being punished right now for something. And I don't know why, or, or, you know, I'm, you know, for, for irregularities in their bookkeeping or whatever it is. And I don't know, you know, why, um, why that even matters, um, to the current players. Um, but when you look at it, you're like, it's only two wins, right? So the players can write this and, you know, it fairly easily. And, um, but I mean, you know, draws don't help, Mm. you know, when you're looking at that, right. I mean, you got to pick up some wins and, um, you know, it's just difficult though, because when you have these outside pressures of, of things and, you know how emotional us athletes are, right? It's like, you know, any little thing, right, that that gets in your way of success. And now it seems like somebody else is punishing you for for other things. And it seems like the whole world's against you, which um, normally half the people there are always against you anyway, right? But it seems like when everyone is against you, then it's, um, and you have these outside influences, deducting points and all those things, it sometimes seems really daunting. But at the end of the day, it's just two wins. And then you're back at it. Yeah. Johnny, I'm going to um, let you come in for the for the last question because we've kept Marcus long enough. So. I know, I know. It's just so, so great to speak to you, Marcus. It really is. What, if you could get one highlight of your time at Reading or one memory that, that sticks out for you? Um, um, there are so many great ones. Um, So I got two for you. I'll tell you my first day at training, we were training at the cricket grounds and um, we turn up and, you know, I've got some of my own training gear and, uh, but they come in with the, uh, all the gear and they just dump it on the floor and everyone's just picking out their gear. I'm like, where are we? Like, (laughs) we don't have our own gear. Like what is happening? This is, this is crazy. It looks like I'm doing my own laundry. Um, and then we got up on the pitch and, 
um, and uh, I remember, uh, and this this might have been actually from the, uh, maybe this was from my loan spell that I remember, but I think it was like one of the, this must have been the loan spell because it was the first day of training. And, you know, it was like a Friday, you're supposed to be playing on Saturday, you know, type thing. And so you're like, okay, how, like, and Pardue, we set up the team and he goes, this is how we're going to kick. We're going to kick to the right side. And so Pards is standing, you know, like on the halfway line or whatever. And he goes, we're going to kick to the right side. And I'm like, okay. And I was like, do you want it out of my hands or off the ground? And he goes, what? And he goes like, I don't care. And I go, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll hit out of my hands first. And so I pump a side volley and it goes like 20 yards over Pards' head. And he's like, <laughs> and, and everyone starts laughing. I go, I go, I could take a bit off if you want. And, and everybody was cracking up. And um, that was my, uh, my first day of training and Mertz was laughing. We brought that up over when we were, we were back there, how, how funny that was. And, um, and what a great day. And then, um, and then, you know, um, probably, you know, the highlights, um, when you think of Reading, it was, where were we? We're not, was it Lester? When we, when we sealed promotion. Yeah. Yeah. Lester. Uh, I mean, that day was super special and, um, the came, you know, was out on the pitch and you saw what it meant to him and, you know, you know, everybody going crazy. And then, um, and then the, you know, to top it off when we, you know, we won the championship and the, uh, and the at home and the, you know, the, the pitch was invaded and, um, I still have a picture up and um, ironically there was a uh, a fan that sent me a whole bunch of stuff to sign, you know, it's like, can you sign some stuff? And, um, and they sent this picture of me and my family, you know, up in the uh, uh, director's box with everybody on the field below. And, you know, it's probably the, you know, probably one of the best days of my life. Uh, yeah. Marcus, it's been absolutely fantastic to speak to you. Real, real pleasure, real honour. So, um, just want to say a big thank you for for joining us. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, no problem. I'll show you. I'll show you my. Uh, this is my. Uh, this is our ski chalet. <laughs> so this is our city house now. Wow. Can't be bad. So that's the. Uh, it's not quite like Reading, local- is it? <laughs> It's slightly different. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. Slightly yeah, Redding, different. Reading's a bit closer to ground level, isn't it? I think than <laughs> where Yeah. So um, that's amazing. This isn't. Yeah, it's not the worst spot in the world. Um, that's for sure. And we're thirty minutes into the Seattle, forty minutes into Seattle from here. So yeah, this is our city house, and our our cabins, you know, a little bit farther out. And um, yeah, yeah, this no, is it. Well, thanks ever so much. It's been a been a real pleasure to speak to you. Really enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah it's been night. great uh, bringing up some memories. It's uh, I'm getting a little emotional here. Um, yeah. Talking about all these old cool um, memories, which seemed yeah. like a lifetime ago. Um, but I really appreciate you guys having me on. And, um, and just remind well, the guys. It's just remind the guys. It's just two wins. Yeah, yeah. we'll do. We'll do. Need the positive. Well, Podcast Network.